0: turn to acts 8 if you will you know part of what we do with communion is such an important aspect of our spiritual walk it's to remember not just what had been done which helps inform us how to live today but what is coming amen now how many of you ever got distracted when you had company on the way have you ever, ever, ever been in that position? Like you weren't even home, right? You, you It's not that you forgot, you just got distracted. And uh, uh, what, what a challenging thing. Uh, my wife and I were just kind of reflecting about our early days of dating. Uh, 25 years this past Tuesday or Wednesday or it was this week. <laughs> I know it's the 27th, that's what I know. And so we went out and we did the the very appropriate sink the husband because he doesn't remember anything trip down memory lane contest. And uh, we sat there over, um, over a good meal and just reflected back. And she talked about different individuals that we intersected with. And there was a group of guys from college that I was connected to. And those weren't fond memories for my wife because whenever I was out with them, I forgot I was supposed to be with her. And she she actually reminded me, she sat in her car outside my apartment for an hour to an hour and a half one time, just waiting for me. And she was so happy to see me. Because the minute I showed up, she forgot all about the anger, the bitterness. She just took one look at this face, and it healed all things. Yeah, no. That's why we call her Saint Janine. This morning, the big question is where is your heart? Where is your heart? We're going to tackle some big theological things this morning. There's some, there's some stuff in here. There's some meat in here that is going to hit all over the balance of things that are taught differently in different churches. So I expect a firestorm of emails this week, and that's why I'm going on vacation. Ha, 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 ha. Uh, No, please send me the send me the emails because we will not this is not a theology class It's not I don't have time to do it the the big level of justice, but I may raise questions So take out those sermon notes and write down questions. All right this morning The idea is where is your heart? So where your treasure is there? Your heart will be also how many of you have heard this verse? How many of you thought this was something written on the bottom of an in-and-out soda? uh, uh, cup right this is actual Scripture. Well, so is what's ever on the bottom of an in and out soda cup. This isn't some proverb. This isn't some colloquialism. This is Jesus' words. And they are profound. This is not where we're studying today. But it is the essence of what we are studying. It is the essence of what I want you to walk away with today thinking about. Praise God, this young lady is sitting in church today answered prayer and if you are new here and you're wondering why i said that it's because she left the faith she went no it's because she that sounded a little weird how all that happened uh treya we're so glad that god answered the prayer she was in the hospital this past week and and here she is so um thank you lord squirrel add preacher adhd preacher focus knock it off Focus, where is your treasure? That's where your heart's going to be as well. This is what you got to walk away with today. Because we're going to get into a story that goes back 2,000 years. We're going to get into a story that's much like what happens all around us, all the time, in the church today. My challenge, God's challenge for you today, is ask yourself where you fit in the story. And ask yourself, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? The one thing I want to be sure is at the end, I'm going to give you an opportunity for response. I don't want anyone responding to God because of a manipulation from up here. Do you hear that? Very clear. That if something is stirring in your heart, then it's very simple. You're asking God, is this from you? And am I agitated enough that I've got to find the answer? If that's where you land at the end of today, good. Then, then, then you need to pursue that and you need to talk to someone, talk to the Lord, seek what He's got for you. And so now I'm setting up the end so now you're salivating for where we're going. Fascinating story. So, Philip and many believers have left Jerusalem. There's a huge persecution under a really great guy whose name is Saul. Saul's out of control. He's ambitious. He wants to make a name for himself. And suddenly the floodgates have opened because we could kill somebody in the open streets of Jerusalem and get away with it. And so because we were able to do that, I'm going to take it to next level stuff, says Saul. I'm going to start going house to house. I'm going to go get a letter from the high priest giving me permission to do this. And with a, uh, an unprecedented level of anarchy, I'm going to seek to destroy God's people. You see, when God does a work, the darkness doesn't like it. And the darkness wants to suppress it. It wants to keep it quiet. It wants it to go away. It will not be tolerant of God's work. Does that sound like 2,000 years ago? Or does that sound like Today? folks were in this story listen to the story pick it up in verse 9 and, and, and we're just going to look at just a couple key passages as we go through the outline but but here's the story but there was a man named simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of samaria saying that he himself was somebody great remember that remember that attitude and characteristic about simon It's important. They all paid attention to Him from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the power of God that is called great. And that goes into a a bunch of Greek mythology and we don't have a whole lot of time for that, but I just want you to understand. And they paid attention to Him because for a long time He had amazed them with His magic. Ooh... I've got the attention of children and adults all at the same time. Yes, there's magic in the Bible. And Simon, often referred to as a sorcerer or a magician, was very effective at this, in this area called Samaria. Samaria, just so that you know, is a little bit south. I'm sorry, north. I'm looking at the map upside down in my mind. It's a little bit north from Jerusalem. Now, what does Samaria conjure up in your mind? Is there a particular individual or story from Scripture that, that hits in your, your mind about Samaria? Anyone? Samaritan. Samaritan woman. Jesus walks through Samaria. It's not a good place for Jews to walk through. And a big part of it was because Samaritans were a mixed race uh, by choice. And so Jews looked down on them. It, it truly was bigotry. And so Jews would look down on Samaritans and say, you have nothing to do with those people. They are less than. And remember the dialogue between Jesus and the Samaritan woman. First of all, he's where he necessarily shouldn't be. The disciples go to grab food, and Jesus picks up this conversation with this gal, and he's very prophetic in what he says. And the the short of it is simply, she says, I truly understand and see now that you are the Messiah. You see the Samaritans know the scriptures they get it they're just treated as less than and they mixed their scriptures with other things so she comes with this big question to Jesus and she says what our fathers say that we have to worship here at at this well but the Jews say we have to worship down at the temple which one is right and this is this great saying by Christ where he says behold a time is coming where the true worshipers shall worship in what Spirit, and in truth, this is foreshadowing for exactly what you're going to hear in this story right now. Kind of cool, isn't it? Here we go. We're going to connect the dots. And we're going to do it with a little magic. I'm not magic. It's just there's magic in the story. So hopefully you get that link. Let's get back to it. And so they pay attention to him because he can do magic. But when they believe Philip... Now why is Philip there? Remember the story? Persecution. Saul's going house to house. He's throwing people in jail. He wants to kill people. And so uh, here you have one of the newly established deacons and he's fled Jerusalem. As far as we know, uh, it's the apostles that stayed in Jerusalem. That's what we have in the text. But much of the church spread out into different lands. Philip goes to Samaria. So through persecution, we talked about this last week. We think that persecution, where is God in evil, right? Where is God in all of that? And yet Because of that persecution, Philip goes to Samaria, and what happens? Philip starts preaching, and they believe. They believe because they hear the word of the gospel. And it finishes out, just prior to verse 9, it finishes out saying, there was much joy in that city. Why does evil happen? Sometimes the evil happens because we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. So God allows the persecution to take place that ultimately his will would be accomplished. And so now we fast forward. Philip is preaching in Samaria. They hear it. They've got this magician named Simon and they believed. And let's look at what happened. But when they believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself, what's it say? Believed. believed. And after being baptized he continued with Philip so he believes then he is baptized and then he's seeking discipleship this is a fantastic convert story right the complete package this is phenomenal let's keep looking at what happens in the story and seeing signs and great miracles performed he was amazed even the magician was amazed Now when the apostles of Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them, who? Peter and John. We're going to get to this in about an hour and a half, so just hang in there. (laughs) Who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for for He had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, so that on anyone whom I lay hands, that they may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this manner, for your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. Some of you have in your scriptures captive to sin. And Simon answered, pray for me to the Lord that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. So, nice, happy, sound of music kind of passage we're preaching today. We've got magic. We've got a complete different group of people who shouldn't, according to Jews, be given this gift of freedom, but they're receiving it. Then you've got this really weird thing happening. They believe, they're baptized, but they've not yet received the Holy Spirit. What's happening with that? Then you have an individual who it says believed, was baptized, and seeking discipleship, and Peter calls him out. So I would love to follow in Peter's tradition. If you all ever screw up, okay, I'm going to pretty much call you out right in front of everybody, and I'm going to say, I see the bitterness and gall of your heart. I don't know why I'm doing a pirate imitation. (laughs) This doesn't fly today, does it? We'll get into that. It's compelling stuff. I mean, this is the good novel stuff, right? What do you do with all this? So now you have someone who seems like they're a believer, but they're being called out by Peter himself as one who maybe isn't a believer. So, so far we're talking about the receiving and baptism of the Holy Spirit doctrine and and the differences of of how people believe that happens. And now we're talking about eternal salvation issues and limited atonement or non-limited atonement issues. And so I'll spare you from all that jargon. And let's just start to break this down, shall we? All right. Let's start with the heart. Remember, what is it you're supposed to walk away with today? questions but also remember i've had it on the screen this entire time where your treasure is there will your heart be also we have a heart condition we have a heart condition so i'm going to kind of go with that a little bit to break down three points today if you want to know where your heart is look where your mind goes when it wanders how many of you are commuters raise your hand if you're a commuter Mm, lots of stuff to think about when you're stuck on 680 for 45 minutes to an hour and a half. There's only so much talk radio you can take, right? Or our BART writers, right? I often wonder when I ride BART now, what happened before headphones existed, right? Did people actually talk, you know, on BART? People, no, not on your life. We didn't talk to anybody on BART. But there is a lot, right? So if nobody's talking, then you've got to be thinking, hopefully, you're thinking, what does your mind travel to? Remember, we talked about distractions. We, we talked a little bit. I set you up a little bit about have you ever been waiting for somebody to come to your house and you got distracted? And then suddenly you weren't, you weren't ready for them? Think about what we celebrated in the Lord's table. What are we supposed to be waiting for with eager anticipation? The return of Christ. And yet he himself in Matthew 18 says what? It's going to come like a thief in the night. You're going to be busy doing that. You're not going to be prepared. And he's going to come. We are so distractible. Right? Even the preacher, squirrel, is distractible. If you're not a dog owner, you don't understand that. Go see up. Let's break this down this morning. So let's look at Acts. We're going to focus on this verse. Where Peter calls out Simon. Because this is the issue. This truly, if I can pinpoint what we're looking at today, this is the highest point for us to wrestle with, right? You have neither part nor lot in this manner for what? Your heart is not right before God. By the way, what does this remind you of? Someone offering silver when it comes to interactions of the apostles the giving of God's economy, the giving of God's plan, the exacting of salvation. What does that remind you of that would have been resident? Maybe that's why there's so much um, visceral reaction by Peter here. Judas. Maybe there was a little bit of Judas that he heard in Simon. And that's why there's such a, a strong reaction here. And maybe not necessarily so much that he's so angry at Simon, but he knows what happened to Judas, and he's desperate that Simon not go down that path. It's a telling thought. So let's break this down. We're talking about the power of the gospel, unique acts, and check that. Sounds like the daily double. So let's take the power of the gospel for 200. Whose heart is covered? The power of the gospel reaches to everyone, and so you have this unique thing of what's happening in Jerusalem, right? And, and the church seems to be gravitating there. They've come from all over the Mediterranean seaboard, and they've gathered into Jerusalem. The Pentecost happens. It's incredible. Nobody wants to leave. Have you ever been to a party you didn't want to leave? Yeah, you guys are there right now. <laughs> so let's take the power of the gospel for 200. Whose heart is covered? The power of the gospel reaches to everyone. And so you have this unique thing of what's happening in Jerusalem, right? And, and the church seems to be gravitating there. They've come from all over the Mediterranean seaboard. And they've gathered into Jerusalem. The Pentecost happens. It's incredible. Nobody wants to leave. Have you ever been to a party you didn't want to leave? Yeah, you guys are there right now. You ever been to a party you didn't want to leave? That's what was happening around Jerusalem. And yet God said, Jesus said, as he left, his closing instructions. You're going to be my witnesses where? Jerusalem. All right, you got that one, boys. Where's the next spot? Samaria. Wow. You're not getting there. You're not getting there, guys. Did you forget what I said? Because that's what we do, isn't it? Isn't it what we do in our frailty, walking in our flesh? We, squirrel! It's what we do. And it's a heart issue. It really is a heart issue. And so God says, you're going to Samaria one way or the other. And so he brings a persecution. And where does Philip head? He heads to Samaria. So what is God saying? He's saying this message of the Gospel is for what? It's for all people. It's for all people. The power of the Gospel is for all people. And you see this first step outside of Jerusalem to an uncommon people. This morning you may be sitting here saying, I don't know if I deserve God's mercy and God's grace. I don't know if I'm qualified enough. Or maybe you're sharing with someone that feels that way. Can you please just take them to this passage? and show them what God's desire, not man's desire, man was like hanging out at the party. That's where they wanted to be. But God said, I'm going to force you to go out and do my will and my plan. Because there's people here that need joy. There's people here that need the gospel. Galatians 3.28. Turn there with me if you will. This, uh, this, This sermon today intersects with the book of a lot so he says now you brothers like Isaac are children of promise he's talking to individuals that need to understand and know sorry I read the you, I'm just going to own it I was trying to stall right there because just like you, that made no sense. I read it wrong here. I'm still adjusting these glasses. 328. I was in 528. So 328 says this. There is neither Jew nor Greek, neither, or there is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all what? One in Christ Jesus. You are all one in Christ Jesus. The power of the Gospel, whose heart is covered, it's open to everybody. We live in a day and age where we're talking about health care and who gets coverage and who doesn't. Can I just encourage you, use that. Use that that's on the tip of everyone's tongue as an opportunity to share the gospel. And say, yeah, wouldn't it be great if we had just this thing that helped us in our health long-term, like eternity level, and it was free for everybody who will what? Believe. That's very important. Another doctrine I don't have time to get into this morning, but you all know. Use that as the ability to take a common challenge that's going on in our society and something everybody wants, but they know we can't... How do we pay for this? Jesus paid this price. This Gospel now goes out to all people. So who's covered? Let's look back at verses 12 and 13. It says what in in Acts 8? It says that both men and women and Samaritans were hearing the Word, were hearing the Gospel and receiving. Right? Verse 12, But when they believed Philip as he preached the good news about the Kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. So this morning, we also move, as we go through the story, we move into some unique acts. And uh, we look at some issues of doubting hearts. So the apostles are where at this time when the Samaritans believe? Where are they? Jerusalem. You ever been in a situation where you didn't like the answer you got, so you called for a supervisor? Come on, I want to see who does that. Raise your hand. He called for the supervisor, right? You know that trick. That's what's going on here. You have people who hear the Gospel, they receive the Word. They, What's the word? Believe. It's the Greek word pistos. It's, it's the same word for faith. There's no delineation of it. And then what happened next? They did exactly what the believers did in Jerusalem at the day of Pentecost. They what? They got baptized after they believed. What's missing? The Holy Spirit hasn't come. Beep, boop, pop, pop, beep, boop, boop. Yo, Peter. I got a 511 going on down here. Um, and I'm going to need your help. You might want to bring back up. Bring John. It's always Peter and John. So the way I'm going to inform you on this there are other opinions about what we're about to read but those opinions aren't here so I have to preach what what I see and what I understand this is what I see and understand this is a unique time we already know it's unique because what happened in Jerusalem Peter preached they believed what did they ask what should we do now Repent and be baptized. They repented, they were baptized, and the Holy Spirit came upon them. The Holy Spirit came upon the apostles during Pentecost through the laying on of hands by Zacchaeus. Yes? No? No. There was no laying on of hands. They received the Holy Spirit because God gave it to them and it came upon them. Then when Pentecost happened, you don't see Peter laying hands on any of the thousands of individuals that received the word. But in Samaria, it's different. It's unique. What's going on? So let's unwrap this real briefly. So Peter and John have to travel down to Samaria. Didn't go real well last time they were in Samaria, did it? What you're going to find in the narrative of The New Testament is there's a continual working on Peter. There's a continual sanctification process that's happening on church leadership. They're learning this thing. It's dynamic, it's a work in progress. Peter's not going to be done after this. But Peter was one of the ones that was there when Jesus was speaking to the Samaritan woman and accusing Jesus. What are you doing? We don't talk to these individuals and Peter was of the mindset like any good Jew that this relationship with you Christ is select for the Jewish people it's about to change and so what has to happen a unique circumstance where Peter who Jesus says to him Peter you are the rock upon you I will build my what church can you connect the dots of what's happening here Philip calls in a 511 Peter we need you Peter, the one who the whole church is going to be built on, has to go down, and he has to see what God is going to do. Have you ever been so stubborn that God had to get a hold of you and prove that he was involved in something? That's what's happening. That's not all that's happening, but that's what's happening for Peter. So Peter and John go down. Now, they lay hands, right? Let's look at verses 14 through 17. Now, when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God... They sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Now why that? Why is it not enough just to receive the Word of God and be baptized? Oh. This is it. This is it. This is what we are going to wrestle with. These are all the questions that you are going to start working through. This is it. Something isn't complete. And Peter and John go down to make sure it's complete. What is missing? You say it. Everybody say it. Thank you. I'm that way around here. I just like to make them talk the way I want them to talk, Hannah. Hannah's not coming back because I keep, I keep pointing her out to everybody. The Holy Spirit's not here yet. That doesn't work with what just happened at Pentecost. That doesn't work with what the disciples and the apostles are remembering about Jesus saying, when I leave, I'm going to send another, right? So they go down and they start praying. And they lay their hands on Him. And what is the result? They receive the Holy Spirit. This is unique. It's already unique from what happened in Jerusalem. Here's what many scholars call this. They call this the Sumerian Pentecost. They call this the Samarian Pentecost. And why is this different? God could have done exactly what he did in Jerusalem here in Samaria. But there's two things that have to happen. It's not on God, it's on us and our frailty. Number one, Peter had to be convinced that the gospel was going out to a people that are not Jewish. Got it? Peter had to be convinced, like Jonah, that God's blessing was going to be extended to the enemy. So I'm going to go the distance, Peter, and I'm going to make you have to go humble yourself, right? You're in your mind, you're like, ah, uh-uh, man, I, I don't think that, not only is God going to say, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, they're going to get, but I'm going to make you the instrument that's going to do it, just like Jonah. And so Peter goes, he institutes what God has given him, there is no plausible deniability available for Peter and the apostles anymore. The gospel is going to, number one, all people. All hearts are covered for those who believe. Second, there are doubting hearts. The apostles could have been gathered in a room somewhere in Jerusalem. You can just see it happening, right? Just like theological professors from seminaries, and they hear about something happening that doesn't necessarily fit perfectly, and they're like, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. You know, we're getting messages that people are hearing the Word of God, and they're believing, but at the same time, Can that really be what's going on? I don't think so. That doesn't fit my view. Peter and John, you guys got to go down there and you got to see what's happening. Clear this whole thing up. There's doubting hearts. You know when there's a doubting heart, God hears it. And God has a plan to reveal the truth to those doubting hearts. And so there's so much going on behind these words, isn't there? To helping Peter come into his established leadership? To helping Peter wrestle with his own biases? By the way, he's not done yet, right? We're going to pick it up in a few weeks where he goes to Cornelius' house. By the way, another unique circumstance. He goes to Cornelius' house. He gets a vision while in Joppa. Uh, Cornelius gets a vision um, up there in Caesarea. And they call for Peter. And Peter wakes up from this vision. There's guys standing outside the door. And they say, we need you to come with us. He goes up, he preaches the word and the Holy Spirit comes upon Cornelius' family and he says, what's to keep them from being baptized? He didn't lay hands on Cornelius' family. Unique circumstances. God is going to be creative so that he gets you to where you need to get to. Amen? Because he's a God of the heart. And so if you have a doubting heart, he's going to go to great lengths to show you the truth. All right. So let's move to check that. Actually, I shouldn't show you that. Oh no! I'm all over the place now. No. Okay. There we go. See? My frailty is showing. So the last point is check that. Where what has my heart? Remember the, the verse where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Let's look at 2025. Now what we're doing is we're examining the third um, the third view, the third scene in the story, which really and truly is Simon. What do you do with Simon? Who is Simon? And so let's look at verse 20 and 25. Simon's offered the money. We already know that Simon has this Endeavor to make himself someone, to be important. You caught that in his character. We know that Scripture says that Simon believed. We know that it says in Scripture that Simon even was baptized. But Simon comes to Peter, he sees what they're doing and his old ways are still there. And he says, man, I need me some of that. If I just had that, that would be real magic. By the way, with this issue of magic, you might be thinking, oh, he's just a trickster. No, Jesus himself says in Matthew 24, 24, he says there will be false prophets that arise and they will do signs and wonders. Not trickery. They will do signs and wonders, but they will do those things under the power of the enemy, under the power of Satan. The more we discount those things, the more we fool ourselves. Jesus himself said those things are going to happen. So, I don't know necessarily that this is exactly what was going on with Simon. It could be. It could be that he just knew some good tricks. Who knows? But it seems like he's got the whole town believing in what he does. But when Simon saw what Philip was doing under the power of God, what happens? It says he was amazed. He was amazed. So there's something that is going on that's authentic with Simon. But then he offers money because his greed takes over. And actually, this is how Peter assesses it. But Peter said to him, may your silver perish with you. Now what does that mean? Does that mean that eternally Peter is saying that Simon is going to perish? Or is he just simply saying, your silver is pointless. May it go with you to the grave. Everybody goes to the grave, okay? We can't know for sure, and there's a really bad effort by pastors that's called eisegesis. Exegesis is to look at what the Scriptures say and to help you understand it. Eisegesis would be for me to say, so Simon here, um, distant cousin of Jesus, you know, wanted to offer this money, and, 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 and then Peter says what? Peter says, may it perish with you so Um, he is destined for hell. I don't know that that's what that's saying. Could it be that? Let's keep reading. So we have to be careful not to insert something that was not the original intention. But then he says what? May your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter. You are not with us. There's the second part. Number one, He said, may your silver perish with you. He didn't just say may your silver perish or that your money is worthless. He says it's going to perish with you. That's pretty draconian. That's serious language. Then he goes deeper. He says you you have neither part nor lot in this manner. So what does that mean? That he's not a believer. Peter's calling out the fact that you are not part of this. You've not received the Holy Spirit. This is not what someone who knows Jesus, who has the Holy Spirit, would do. And therefore, you do not have part in all of this. Well, that could be what Peter's saying. He could also say, you have no part in the laying on of hands and the giving of the Holy Spirit. This is not for you to do. And don't even try to buy it. So he could be saying either thing. But what he's saying is some pretty deep stuff. And then he goes on and he says, for your heart, and here it is, your heart is not right before God. Now what do we do with this? Peter himself was the one that denied Christ three times. And yet, when was it that Jesus established Peter to be the head over the church? Before Peter denied Christ three times or after? It was before. Before he denied Christ. He's up in Caesarea Philippi with the disciples, and that's where he sees uh, uh, this this pagan site where they believe that there's a a cave, and some of us that have gone to Israel have seen this area, and and the the culture of that area was a kind of a Greek culture and and Roman culture combined, and they really believed that that was the gate of hell, that if you walk through that that cave, that would be the access to, to Hades. And so this is the time that he turns to Peter and he says, the gates of hell will not prevail against you. You, Simon Peter, will be the rock. You will be the head of the church. And yet, what does Peter do? Peter fails miserably. Not once, not twice, but three times. So why does Peter get grace but Simon doesn't? Only God knows what is in the heart. There's only so much that the words can tell us. But what we know is that Peter could understand through the Holy Spirit what was in Simon's heart. And so he says, your heart is not right before God. Repent therefore of this wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. And then check this. This is the part that that gets a little deeper. For I see that you're in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. How many of you have, I think NIV, it says captivity of sin? (coughs) Let me help you understand this. Let's go back to that Galatians 5. This is one of the reasons we chose the song, I am free. For you are in Christ. You are free in Christ. So stop submitting yourself to the bondage of sin. What does that say? Does that say that we who are in Christ will never be under the strain, the forcible work of sin? No, it's saying the contrary. He's imploring them, stop, right? He's saying you who are free in Christ, he's giving them, he's agreeing that they have this identity in Christ, but he's saying stop putting yourself back into the bondage of sin. These are the same words Peter's using here with Simon. I would say that Simon's heart is shaken to the core. This is what we can know. Because Peter tells him to pray to God and repent. And what is Simon's response? I'm not even worthy to speak to God. Have we felt that? I'm not even worthy to speak to God. You know God. You you do this for me. You speak for me. We need to check this. Peter Stern's answer was a stinging rebuke, without a doubt. But here it is. Check this. When When it's looking at the authenticity of someone's belief and faith, Look at what happens here. Simon's errant thinking had led him to believe that God's gift could be bought. Starts with what we think about. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. His heart was not right before God. His behavior was called wickedness. His thinking was called evil. And he was said to be full of bitterness. It is for this reason that many people, even though the narrative, even though Luke in telling the story says that Simon believed, there are many people that read this and say, Peter calls out so many things that in essence, who Simon was is a false believer. If you can have false teachers, folks, you can have false believers. Have you ever been suckered into something? And you found out later that uh, yeah I probably shouldn't have gone that way or have you ever been in, in a situation someone's just kind of faking it and pretending to really be something they're not I do that every Wednesday out here on the basketball court I don't know what to do with Son. other than one thing and that's what I want you guys to do this morning in response there's a tragedy here our theme this year is new creation behold the old is past all things have become new when you are a believer and this is why there was a problem in samaria the holy spirit had not yet come across these believers but god was doing something unique so that what peter would grow in his understanding the kingdom would expand the the apostles wouldn't think micro they would think macro god does a unique thing in order that the kingdom keeps growing Did the believers at Samaria receive the Holy Spirit? Done. Finished. They got it. But God used a unique circumstance. This morning, I put this ensemble together. I'm very excited. I dug deep into the recesses of my closet in in the pale dark of the morning and found my only brown belt. And it matches my brown shoes. And I'm thinking, this is really working. My wife even said, you're so handsome this morning. We're still riding off the 25-year anniversary thing. Um, But here's the cheater, right? You get so close, but then there's just one thing wrong. Black socks. (laughs) Right? I went to my sock drawer. Somehow, mysteriously, over the past two years, life has changed in my sock drawer. I no longer have any white socks. Every sock I own is black. And I'm like, this is just, this is is not right. It doesn't work. There's little... it's kind of what's going on within Simon. Is that he believed he threw together something really well and I want to pretend I'm, I'm all together in front of you, but the reality is I'm hiding reality. Wow, that worked really well. I wasn't sure if that was, I've been working on an illustration for the end the entire time, but that really worked. Right? The question for us this morning in finish is this. What do we do with this story? What do you and I do with this? Well, it's not a sad story. It sounds sad. We don't know what happened to Simon. Actually, church tradition says that he did repent. Church tradition says he became a a a, a, a major force for the church. We don't know that for sure, but that's what church tradition says. I think if Peter told me all those things, I would get it straight quick. And. In looking at this passage it may take us to a point of doubting and saying well you know I've I've always been taught about eternal security what do you do with this well Jesus taught this he taught a parable of the soils right and he says it's seed the gospel seed travels and it lands on some ground and never takes root then it lands on other soil and it's kind of okay but it's it's gathered up by the by the um, By the birds of the air. And then it actually hits some soil that it takes root and starts to show itself. But what happens? The weeds choke it out. I would propose that that's Simon. That there wasn't a true good soil that the message of the Gospel landed on. Why? Because at the moment of conversion, you move from the old to the what? To the new. Stop putting yourself into the bondage of sin. That doesn't mean that we don't struggle. But you no longer desire those things of the flesh as your priority. You may struggle in them, but your desire is for Jesus. Your desire is for holiness. Your desire is for righteousness. Amen? That's how you know that you are a new creation. And so what do you do? Here's two things. Where is your heart today? Would Peter walk to you and say, your heart is wicked. You have a heart problem. But wait a minute. I believed. I remember when Pastor Jeremy preached this great message and Stephen played this incredible emotional music and I just, I, I went ahead or or maybe you're just like the, the dude, right? And he's like, well, it yeah, sounds good to me. I'll sign up. I'm in. Plus, she wants me to, so that's good. Makes things all peaceful. Pastor put her on certificate. I have the date. I'm in. There was a problem in Samaria. There was no evidence of the Spirit. The question for you and I to wrestle with today is if your life was examined by the Apostle Peter, what's the condition of your heart? Is there evidence of the Spirit? You want to know if you truly, under God, are a believer in Jesus Christ, then the Spirit of God has to be in you. Romans 8. And we'll finish with that in just a second. It's very clear. This is the mark of the believer. By the way, the tail end of that story of the soils, Jesus says, but there's seed that falls on good soil and it takes root and it manifests over and over and yields a harvest over and over. This is how you know if you truly believe because the Spirit is with you. Number one, Where is your heart? Are you truly a believer or do you struggle like Simon? Ask yourself this very simple question. Is there evidence of the Spirit of God in my life? Not am I perfect. By the way, Peter didn't say, you know, hey, Simon, um, that was kind of like this thing that you did before. I know that you really didn't mean it and, you know, there's all these other really good things that are happening in your life and I, I really see, you know, you've grown by leaps and bounds. He didn't say any of that. He went after him with a litany of things saying, you are the same person you were before you heard the gospel. The question for us, is there evidence of the Spirit in our life? And the Scriptures say, God says, if there is no evidence of the fruit of the Spirit, then the Spirit is not there. Scripture says in Ephesians 1 and Romans 8. Let's turn to it. Let's turn to it. We'll close with this. By the way, I I truly recommend that Romans 8 is one of the best passages in all of Scripture that you can hold on to. So let's look at why don't we pick it up in verse 26? Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And if you're sitting here this morning, and say, well, I don't know what it means to have the Spirit of God in my life. Then seek. Then seek. Pursue. Don't just sit there not with this nebulous, amoebic idea of of what's going on you don't get the answer. Seek after this. So there's one way that the Spirit shows Himself in in our life. Go back down to um, verse 9. You, however, are not in the flesh but in the Spirit. There's the difference between Simon and a true believer, right? And he goes on to say, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. The evidence of having believing faith is that the Spirit of God dwells in you. What does that look like? You move from the old to the new. Look up Galatians 5.22 and you'll start to see the manifestations. Read more in Romans 8. You'll see the manifestations of what it means for the Spirit of God to be in you. If you're saying, wait, I went and I made this decision, I went forward, but I didn't really feel anything, folks, this can get very confusing because different churches and different people have unique experiences all within the context of God's plan. So there's a very simple answer. Pursue what the answer is. Don't rest like Simon did on just saying, hey, I made this proclamation That's important. But without the Spirit, there is no true evidence of a heart for Jesus. And that's where we rest today. So I encourage you seek after that. And in retrospect, I feel the Spirit encouraging me to remind you this Galatians 5. I'm not a truthful man. I said we were going to finish with that, but I have to do this. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore. In other words, you're wobbling a little, okay? You're wobbling a little bit. So I'm going to encourage you stand firm and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. So Paul is encouraging believers stop giving yourself over because you're just not paying attention to it, you're not prepared. You're not focused. You're not striving. You're putting distractions all around you. So you can't sense the spirit. And so the natural reaction is, if you're not filling your life with spirit-filled things, what are you filling your life with? The flesh. The flesh. And Paul simply says to believers, stop doing this. You were meant for freedom. So stop living in freedom. Stop submitting yourself back to here. This is different than what we saw out of Simon and Peter today. Wrestle with all of this, my friends. Let me close in prayer today. Thank you for being here. If you have brought your gifts and offerings this morning, thank you. It is an act of worship to God. I'm going to pray over that in closing. Um, If you have any prayer requests, take the cards that are in the back of the chairs. Fill that out. You can grab even a card back by the prayer box and fill that out there as well. We've seen answered prayer even this week. and I will get to say, we were going to do this this week. My, I, I've got some good friends here um, from down south, from my former church. And, um, and they gifted us, with all grace, Barnabas. Their former shuttle bus. And this week was the first week we got to use it for Lifetime Summer Day Camp. And I have a video of that that we're going to show next week. And so... Um, I need a graphic artist that can, um, we, we weren't able to get Faith Community off the side of the bus yet, and we need to like do some um, Photoshop on that before I send it down as a video to Faith Community to be excited about. Um, but, but we're just so excited about that. Continue, Lifetime is off this week, um, and we don't have our regular programming on Wednesday night. We're taking the whole week off. I'm on vacation. Yay. Jesus, me, in vacation. Um, and uh, but if you have any questions Lynn is in the office you can contact her um, throughout the week and uh, God bless you today let me close in prayer Father this morning we thank you we come to you with all grace all appreciation saying thank you for the freedom Lord we also say to you that the gift of salvation and the gift of your spirit in light of sin and destruction and wickedness is not to be undercherished it's not to be undersold i pray for each person here today that as they examine their own hearts that they are able to see is there evidence of the spirit of god in me and that they pursue the answer to that question they not relent because i know father that it is through your spirit working within our spirits now that would lead us to wrestle with any of that. Lord, bless our offering today. Bless the giver. Use it, multiply it to your glory for your kingdom. And let us take the message of Christ, the message of freedom, out to our our neighborhoods and our workplaces this week. And let us encourage the world around us. Let us be light to the world around us. To you be all glory, Father. Amen.